It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Down for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman, here with the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, as the Bucks take a little bit of time to get warmed up tonight in Toronto. But a big second half leads them to a 108 97 win. And I said this before this game that these games are always interesting for this Bucks team because I don't feel like there's too many games where you can genuinely take anything away from a a standard double-digit win for this team. But this version of a double-digit win is definitely different. The Bucks had to work through some stuff in the first half. And uh, I don't know where you want to start, if you want to start with the positive or the negative, Frank. But either way, the result was the same. And, and this one felt pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, we joked last night about how it feels like the Bucks haven't been in many, um, you know, close games period this season after that Wizards contest. Uh, and as this game was happening, I, I mean, it – it felt like we haven't seen the Bucks in many kind of big games, especially on the road period this year, right? Um, and, and obviously they've played some very good teams on the road. Um, but as far as like marquee matchups, um, I, I don't know. I mean, it just feels like we, we haven't seen, especially against the East, right? We had the Boston game a week into the season. We had obviously the Christmas Day game uh, against uh, the Sixers. And obviously neither of those games went the way the Bucks wanted. Um, but you know, some of these other matchups are kind of, you know, either we're really early in the season or, or obviously, um, kind of were strange for various reasons. Clippers game, you know, you didn't have Kawhi or, uh, or Paul George in LA, um, opening night in Houston was obviously a great performance, but that was opening night. That was a long time ago. Utah obviously was a, a very strange night, um, yeah, for a number of reasons that as, as I was watching the Bucks struggle, Tonight, I was trying to think, like, when have the Bucks looked this bad in a first half? And, and Utah was one of the games, actually, I, I thought of, as, as that was another game where Giannis really struggled in the first half. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, this was – I don't think there's any two ways about it. Obviously, this was a really quality win. Um, obviously, you have a lot of baggage against the Raptors, yeah, right. given that playoff series last year. Uh, Toronto, 
you know, has been, the, I mean, really the only team over an extended period here that has played as well. And actually, you know, strictly speaking, they've actually even played slightly better than the Bucks over the last, you know, 20 games or whatever it's been. So um, obviously a very good test. And, um, you know, I think both just as far, I think for on, a, on multiple levels, I think psychologically, you know, regardless of, of who was out there or how they were playing, I think, uh, you know, just the psychological effects of going back to Toronto where uh, you couldn't win a game last spring after winning both the regular season games in Toronto last year. That's obviously really important. Um, you know, just the way the cat and mouse game that Nick Nurse plays with the different looks he provides, um, the aggressiveness that with which Toronto came out, uh, I thought was obviously a big theme of that first half where the Bucks really kind of seemed to be the pass, the more passive team. They they were on the back foot, and Toronto I think deserved a lot of credit for how they pressured the Bucks, especially on the defensive end. Um, and probably the least important aspect of it is just, you know, the Bucks cranking out yet another, yet another win, number 50, in this historic season. But, um, again, you know, it's, I think it's a satisfying – nothing more satisfying, obviously, on, on a lot of fronts than being the team that, uh, that vanquished you in the playoffs a year ago. And, obviously, it's a somewhat different team without Kawhi Leonard this year. But, um, you know, they've been playing great basketball of late. And, obviously, in that first half, I think, in particular, you, you saw why they – uh, you know, they brought out some of the things that the Bucks struggled with in the playoffs last year, especially defensively. And we saw why this team has obviously been really, really good again uh, this this season. Yeah, I just sort of laughed when you when you mentioned the the fifty wins because it's it's just ridiculous to think about. It's February twenty five, and uh, I, I remember last year. I mean, they obviously got the fifty wins pretty early, but it was such a huge achievement. It felt like last season when the Bucks got to fifty. Uh, this one, I don't even think. I think they mentioned it in the post game show. I was watching on the. I was watching the Fox Sports Wisconsin broadcast, and I think they mentioned it on the post game. But I certainly remember last year when they got to fifty. Uh, Paschke was, you know, it, it was a big deal. And this year, it's like, yeah, well, whatever. I mean, they won again. It's cool. They won on the road. This was great. But that, that's just where this team's at. And sometimes it's nice to remind yourself how uh, crazy this regular season is that they're in the middle of. But uh, in in terms of demons in the arena. I think that this was really important for the Bucks to win and probably the way that they had to fight back from behind. They were down double digits. Obviously, they finished the first half on that 11-1 to run, which really seemed to get them going. And they came out and looked a little bit more organized in, in the second half. But much like the win in Boston last year for the first time, I think it's just good to get this out of the way. Boston was a place, was a building that the Bucks had some bad memories in from a, from a playoff series. They weren't able to win there. They won in the regular season, and we know what they did in the playoffs. And I think this is somewhat the same. I mean, it, this, is, this would be important for the Bucks to pick up a win in Toronto, as you said, a building they didn't have any success at in last year's playoffs. And Giannis was asked after the game. I saw someone just tweet this out just now. Uh, one of the Toronto uh, reporters said that Giannis was asked whether Game 6 was on his mind tonight, and he just said, obviously. <laughs> and it would be hard not to not to think back about that. So, yeah, it's important for them to win. But while we're talking about the Eastern Conference Finals, we may as well talk about the, the first half a little bit more before we get to the, to the positive stuff because it was really hard for me not to watch that first half and think, well, shit, this looks uh, familiar. There's no Kawhi out there, but this is feeling exactly the same. And you mentioned the way that they would throw the double teams at Giannis, but really they were just throwing that double team at anyone, any uh, whoever had the ball. The ball handler was always getting double teamed. We saw even when the Bucks tried to go to Brook Lopez a little bit in the post, he was quickly double teamed and he tried to work through that. But but the whole Bucks offense was disjointed. 
disorganized. They looked really rattled. And there was possession after possession after possession where the Bucks weren't able to get a shot up. It felt like they were struggling to beat the shot clock every single time. And there was multiple possessions where Giannis might have the ball and he'd be dribbling, dribbling, then just dish it off to someone. There was a really bad shot clock violation with Pat Connaughton in the right corner where multiple guys just had the ball and said, well, I don't really know what to do with this. So I'm just going to, I'm not going to make this my problem. I'm going to give it to you. And I felt like that was what the entire first half uh, was all about. There was a double team early in the game where Fred Van Vliet was the primary defender on Giannis and Giannis sort of backed it out to the perimeter and then was able to get a bit of momentum and find Brook Lopez in the corner. But outside of that, this looked very similar to the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think it would, would be worth mentioning that the Bucks played the Wizards last night and then they went from the worst defense in the league to uh, not the second best and the Bucks are the best, but another elite defense. And that was, would have certainly been a shock. But I'd be lying if I said there wasn't some concern in the first half that the Bucks just didn't have any answer at all for this. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Bucks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Milwaukee Bucks fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Milwaukee Bucks fans that are well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to double three triple seven, or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get the team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you guys. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Yeah, I mean, you sometimes see in, like, fourth quarters where teams, like, really ratchet up the ball pressure on the perimeter and just really, like, deny, and, and then when guys do have the ball, they, they just are really handsy and, and just make it really uncomfortable. Um, and I mean, it's hard for teams to do that for extended period, for, for extended periods for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, it just takes a ton of effort for your defense to be that extended all the time. Um, and two, I mean, you know, you're going to get called for fouls. You're going to be more susceptible to getting back cut or blown by and things like that. I think as the game went on, you know, I think the Bucks sort of took that aggression, um, and sort of turned it on its head a little bit. I mean, um, you know, 30 out of 36 free throws for the Bucks tonight. They shot a ton of free throws. That was 
probably the most significant differential in the game from a Bucks perspective. They, I mean, they, they were at a diff, at a uh, deficit from three, 18 out of 52 for Toronto. I mean, they didn't shoot the lights out 35%, but they made more than the Bucks who were 14 out of 42, 33%. So, you know, you're minus 12 uh, from three point range. Uh, and as we were discussing before the podcast, I mean, Bucks only scored 28 pain points, but they only give up 22. So, uh, you know, this was kind of the extreme of both uh, sort of the, the Bucks defense being able to just completely wall off the paint. Um, you know, Siakam had, a, had a, ultimately had a very efficient scoring night, 22 points on 14 shots, but he was only one out of five inside the arc, right? I mean, he was purely a three-point shooter tonight. Um, and ironically, both Siakam and, and Giannis pretty much had their inside the arc games completely taken away. And um, with Siakam, the impressive thing was, you know, that was just Giannis kind of going one-on-one with him for much of that period. It's not like they were just throwing tons and tons of doubles at him. Um, we know, obviously, the Bucks use, you know, the Lopez brothers to, to help protect the rim. And obviously, that was a, a part of that as well. But, um, you know, it was just tough sledding for either of these teams to really get much going inside. Uh, you know, Bucks only 43% on twos and Toronto 36%, right? Um, I think probably the Bucks 43% is more surprising. We're used to them being way above that number. Um, whereas we have seen them obviously hold teams to below 40% with uh, a shocking uh, regularity this season. They've been that good defensively uh, choking off the paint. So uh, yeah, it was, it was a strange game. I mean, you know, 108-97, not like a, you know, rock fight 1990 score or something like that. But um, Bucks 104 offensive rating, Raptors 93.4. Uh, you know, for whatever complaints I had last night about it being, you know, too much of a wide open offense only affair, uh, the second second night of the back-to-back for the Bucks was uh, much more of a, I guess, mean your version game on both fronts for them as both the offense and defense kind of came back to it. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that the Bucks were, you know, were – definitely going to get worse offensively after last night because obviously the Bucks have a great offense. But, um, you know, it, it was definitely a, a very different game when you can think about just that defensive intensity on both ends. And, um, you know, credit to the Raptors for being disruptive and throwing different looks. And you know, that's kind of what they do. But um, you certainly want to give the Bucks a ton of credit, too, for being patient. I mean, I think they were probably, to me, that was part, part of the challenges. I just thought they were probably too patient feeling the game out in the first, let's say, 18 minutes or so. 20 minutes um you know we saw Giannis getting the ball in the post and just sort of like waiting for a double team and then kind of retreating <laughs> it was like it was like the homer going through the hedge thing gif or something like that like it, it was not a lot of decisiveness I would say from the Bucks um and it was a lot of like okay I caught it now okay this guy's close to me oh, oh now he's pressuring oh what you know it was just it was just and and Chris Middleton had issues with that um, you know, Giannis certainly had issues with that. I mean, the two of them were very subdued up until really that 11 to one run, uh, late in the second half, Giannis hits a corner three, uh, Chris hits a pull up three in transition, not an easy shot. And then Giannis on the last possession of the first half, uh, gets, I believe his only like restricted area basket of the game, I think, uh, driving really impressively and finishing over Sergio Baca. I mean, that was really kind of the one chance he had going to the basket. So, um, those guys kind of started to see a little bit of life uh, to end the first half. And then um, in the second half, you know, Middleton, I thought, look, so this was the Middleton we've seen for, you know, however many months now he looked so under control and ends up with 22 points on 14 shots. Giannis playing more of a playmaker role with all the attention he was drawing, eight assists. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I think credit also to Eric Bledsoe and Brooke Lopez. Neither of those, you know, Lopez, Bledsoe, and, and Giannis all were either 5 out of 13 or 5 out of 14. So really not good shooting nights from those guys. But um, I thought they were steady enough and got the Bucks some buckets at times when they needed them. And Lopez, another five blocks. Giannis, three blocks. Obviously, his defense was tremendous again tonight. And, uh, you know, again, we're able to – I don't even want to say claw to win. Um, it got a little bit close there in the fourth quarter at points. But, uh, you know, they just sort of – wasn't it wasn't even like a blink of an eye thing. Like, they just sort of very slowly – end of the first half and then start of the second half. Just Toronto couldn't really seem to get much going. I thought the Bucks were doing a really nice defense job defensively for, on their own and um, just kind of slowly, gradually took control of that game and, um, you know, ultimately win it in a, but let's say far less dramatic fashion than a night ago, which uh, I was perfectly fine with. Yeah. Look, really interesting. I, I think from a Bucks perspective, a lot of the questions come on the offensive end because uh you know that that's what Toronto is going to do uh, defensively. That's what they're going to throw at Giannis in particular, all those double teams and make him make a quick decision or try and score over them. But uh, I think just you have to feel really, really good about the Bucks defense. I mean, they were, they were really incredible. You already mentioned the 22 points in the paint. It was interesting. I mean, sure, the Raptors hit some threes early, and and boy, did I mean they came out gunning. Uh, they were they were ready to shoot. Serge Ibaka finishes one for ten from three. Uh, but the the Raptors, when you look at the shot chart, uh, you already mentioned the the struggles that they had scoring in the paint, but nine for twenty at the rim, two for twelve uh, in in the rest of the paint. So they only go eleven for thirty two in the paint and this was just a complete domination. And I think that this is the question mark. If you look at this Raptors team, we spoke about it before, what are they going or how are they going to be able to score without Kawhi? I mean, the roster is mostly the same and Fred Van Fleet has obviously been incredible and Kyle Lowry's having a fantastic season and Siakam has sort of stepped up as that number one guy. But I think you saw tonight with Pascal Siakam and, and look, uh, you know, when you speak to people that watch the Raptors a lot more than we do, they said that, yeah, he's been going through some struggles of late, but there was multiple times tonight where he had the opportunity. You already mentioned that Giannis really took the job on on him. But there was, there was multiple times where Siakam had the ball. He had the opportunity to try and go downhill and score on Giannis. Now, sure, I mean, you know, at that point, uh, that's that's a difficult matchup to to try and get a basket. But maybe you try and draw a foul on Giannis. Maybe you uh, try and, and do something or make Giannis think about it. Too many times he just got the ball then back back out to the perimeter. And for me, that was just a huge win for the Bucks. The Raptors just did not have anyone outside of Chris Boucher trying to dunk on everyone on putbacks. They didn't have anyone that, that wanted to try and, and uh, penetrate and put pressure on, on Brook Lopez and Giannis and these guys in there, which I think is a great sign because as the game wore on, you saw that the three-point shots... Were, gradually started to to not fall, and uh, I think that's how this this Bucks defense wears teams down. And as you pointed to, it's not always the Bucks blowing the doors off teams in in short bursts or uh, fr- right from the outset, but the defense just does not stop. And you can have a good start, and the Raptors certainly did. They knocked down some shots, but the Bucks just had this incredible ability, whether they're on the road, whether they're at home, to just say, "Okay, we've taken your shot." We get it. We're, we're down here by 10 points, but we're not concerned. We're going to figure it out. And, and you're not going to score in any other way other than the way you are. So if you're not going to knock down the threes, we're eventually going to get back in the game. We're going to believe in that. We're going to trust in that. And, uh, and it was really methodical, the way that they were able to get back in the game. It started with the defense. Lopez, another five blocks. Uh, it, was, it was 
probably what you would expect. The Raptors did tonight look like a team that was lacking that, that real number one option. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Yeah, that's that was kind of my actually the, the big thing that that I kind of was going through in my head um, as I was watching, especially that second half. It was just like, where are the shots going to come from? You know, for the yeah. Raptors, and and obviously they have a, a bunch of guys who, uh, you know, they do a really good job of being able to just put guys out there that can shoot and and do stuff offensively, right? It's not like they're playing a bunch of guys that you know you can leave alone uh, unattended from three or something like that. Um, but yeah, it it did feel like. You know, just like, all right, well, who's going to really kind of torture the Bucks the way that obviously Kawhi was able to do and just sort of like be that reliable option time after time after time. And, um, you know, Siakam, um, you know, we talk about uh, last night, we were talking about the difference between kind of that like mid-range finishing shot that we've seen from Giannis lately versus like the three-point shot. And, you know, for me, that was a little bit of of the way I viewed Siakam tonight, like you know, he did a lot of dribbling, but it felt like whenever he kind of put the ball on the floor, like nothing kind of ever came of it. Um, and a lot of that it was, you know, the Bucks didn't have to like show tons and tons of help necessarily either, um, which obviously is is really important. So, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. I mean, there, obviously it's, it's very different from a year ago in that sense, uh, not having Kawhi as sort of that, you know, baseload guy you can just always throw the ball to and just kind of let him go go to work on. Um, and you know, again, like they have enough offensive firepower, obviously to be a great team. It's not like anybody's saying, um, that like, oh, they can't score or something like that. I mean, clearly they can. Um, but certainly, you know, there are some limitations for Siakam just as far as, um, you know, as, as a creator, um, and Lowry tonight, obviously, I mean, didn't play well, right. Um, two out of 12 shooting, obviously we, we saw that last year during the regular season as well, Then he was much better, obviously in the playoffs. Um, but you know, I thought he got frustrated, especially, uh, in that second half, some offensive fouls, um, tried to force George Hill to give birth to him. I don't know <laughs> what, I don't know how to describe, like literally trying to crawl through someone's I didn't, legs. I don't think I've ever seen ball. anything You've like never that. Seen that. That was wild. Never seen that. I, I have, to, I give the refs so much credit for calling an offensive foul on that. Like, um, you know, like we, we always tend to focus on when we don't think the refs do a good job. Um, but I mean, tonight, like I thought as the game wore on, um, you know, there were, they, they didn't fall for kind of the usual Kyle Lowry bullshit, right, right. uh, as, as the, the longer the game went on, I felt like, um, you know, the less he kind of got away with, he got a tech, um, he had a couple of offensive fouls, including that one, which was just bizarre. I mean, I wouldn't have, 
I wouldn't have been shocked if that had been called a foul on George Hill, just because literally, I don't know. I've never seen that. And like a ref could have been just like, wait a minute, uh, a defensive player ended up like on the back of an <laughs> offensive player. So typically that's a foul, but I've also never seen a guy like literally decided to try to burrow under him while that <laughs> what player was going to do the with ball. the ball. I didn't even know like what the end goal of that plan was. Like, what was he planning on doing? No. Like dribbling from his knees, no. and then I, I don't know. I mean, it was incredible. <clears throat> well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, Lowry for you know, obviously complain about him as much as we might, but um, you know, he knows what he's doing most of the time, and you know, he, he's he's not necessarily trying to make a basketball play or get a shot up. You know, when he's trying to draw some of his fouls, it's he's trying to force the referees obviously into a position where they have to call a foul on the defensive player. And um, I, you know, I guess he just got low and just decided I'm just going to flop myself in between George Hill's legs. And uh, thankfully they didn't go for it. Uh, but uh, strange, strange, strange days uh, seeing, seeing that play. Um, and uh, yeah, but I thought um, just cause I'm seeing it in the box score, I thought in those kind of middle periods, I thought one of the things um, a couple of guys I'd want to highlight from, from the bench. Um, Dante DiVincenzo, one out of six tonight, five points. Obviously not great. But seven rebounds, three offensive, yeah. uh, three assists, two steals. Uh, I mean, he, he created, m- you know, m- multiple chance possessions uh, on a number of occasions in ways that were just, I think, very deflating for the Raptors and the crowd. You know, I mean, when, when a six four white guy is out there just jumping over uh, everybody and grabbing offensive rebounds and creating second chances, um, I mean, obviously that's that's very frustrating. And I thought again, he he, it's those little things, right, that that allow him to be effective even when sometimes he's not shooting the ball well. So big credit to him. And then uh, Marvin Williams, I mean, sixteen minutes, nine points, three out of six from three, uh, five rebounds and assists, two steals. Um, did have four personals, so I mean, okay, uh, maybe less of that. But um, you know, <laughs> you know, Toronto was I think the first team I really kind of talked a lot about last year during the regular season. I just remember, um, you know, Siakam. I think Siakam had that one huge game against the Bucks, and just you know, when Ursan was out there against him, I mean, he, you know, again, it's just like don't put you can't put Ursan on Siakam. Like he's just gonna, you know, take him to task. He's just gonna like you know use him up all day. Um, and, uh, you, you know, again, that's not why the Bucks lost their playoff series or something like that because of Ursan. No, that's not, that's not the case. But, um, my anxiety level watching Marvin Williams play defense is just so much lower than <laughs> when Ursan is out there. And I thought, uh, it's it just, again, makes a lot of sense. And it's, I'd say very encouraging given Bud's reticence to go away from Ursan prior to this signing. Um, I thought it was very encouraging to see here. Um, another game where, you know, Marvin Williams is the backup power forward and obviously what he's able to do, especially defensively, the versatility he gives, um, that that's just obviously a very, uh, a very, I'd say positive development. And, you know, to have that weapon off the bench uh, on both ends is, uh, is just a major plus. Yeah, no question. The fact that, uh, as you sort of pointed to, the fact that Bud so quickly has said, all right, like I, I can probably accept this as I love you, but I, if I was going to replace you, I definitely wasn't going to replace you with a young player like DJ Wilson, but Marvin Williams drafted in 2005. I, I can respect him. I'm going to, I'm going to put him out there, but yeah, I mean, that, that stretch, particularly 
towards the end of the third quarter where there was a couple of possessions where uh, Siakam just couldn't really get by Marvin. And I don't know whether that should be more of a knock on, on Siakam rather than Marvin Williams, but yeah, he's just more versatile. He's uh, able to move his feet a lot quicker than Ersan. And then uh, we saw tonight, finally, the, the three ball went down. He was getting some good looks over the last couple of games. Uh, but we saw him, particularly from the corners tonight, able to knock those down, hit three threes. Uh, he had a real big influence on the game when the Bucks were were making their move, which was uh, nice to see. I feel like maybe Eric Bledsoe deserves a mention as well because, you know, early in this game, particularly the first quarter, I, I think uh, he had nine points in the first quarter and... You know, wasn't always in control, uh, uh, but Bledsoe was being aggressive and he wasn't shying away from attacking in a matchup in a building that uh, didn't treat him well going back to May. And, and much the same as when we saw him play pretty well against Boston last year. I keep going back to that. But I, I just think that takes some some sort of mental uh, strength to be able to go back in there and say, listen, this was not a, a, a fun place for me to play out in May. Things did not go well. This is where the season ended. And I thought his contribution was pretty good. He finished with 17 points, seven rebounds, four assists, a uh, steal and a block as well. Two for six from three. You know, just five for 14, as you, as you sort of pointed to. So not the most efficient night, but he was really aggressively seeking contact going to the rim. And I think when the Bucks were struggling uh, at their most in the first half, it didn't always work out. But I like the fact that he was just like, well, nothing's really working right now. I'm, I'm going to use my size and my strength to just like throw my body into someone and try and get to the free throw line. And he, he got there a couple of times. There was a couple of other possessions where he was sort of arguing with the officials thinking he should have got a call. But uh, I always say this, if you can get a big performance from Eric Bledsoe against a good team, I think it bodes well for the future. So I thought he was pretty good. But the other interesting thing for me, and you can, you can go back to Bledsoe if you want, but the other interesting thing I think uh, to talk about was Giannis shooting a couple of corner threes in this one. Uh, because he just does not go to the corners, mostly because he's never standing in the corners. But uh, when he gets those catch-and-shoot opportunities, which are very rare uh, tonight, he knocked down a couple and one big one. I mean, the Raptors, you know, would have taken a a miracle comeback with a couple minutes left. They were down, I think, eight or nine points at the time. But Giannis hits the three from the left corner. And uh, this season total, he'd only hit, two threes on the season. So coming into tonight, uh, just two three-point makes, both from the left. Coincidentally, both these threes from the corner tonight were from the left. So now he's got a total of four threes from the corner this season. Uh, none on the right, but 73 from above the break. Last season, he only hit two from the corners as well. So this is just not a shot that he uses. But hey, if you're going to be able to get other guys handling the ball, whether it's George Hill like it was at this time, whether you're looking to run maybe a middleton Brook Lopez pick and roll and Giannis is in the corner and you're going to attract this attention and he's going to be open for three, shoot it, knock it down. And he did that tonight in a pressure situation. I thought that was nice to see. Yeah, I mean, if you had told me before the game that Giannis would go seven out of eight from the foul line and two out of four from three, I would have said, oh man, Giannis is really putting together. Yeah. yeah, a big night. So, um bizarro Giannis uh, in that regard but I mean this is I mean I think we saw multiple examples tonight of you know this is these types of games underscore like why you want to have um, different ways of of hurting the other team obviously free throws goes without saying he he sucked from the foul line against the Raptors in the playoffs last year big to do it there in that building um, yeah so the fact that he came out and and obviously 
um, you know, I think he split his first, uh, his first pair and then made his next six. If I, if I remember correctly, I think. Um, so that, that was important, obviously, just, I think getting a little bit you know, for, for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, just because of that building and the, and the history there, um, that's important. And then two, I mean, just cause he's recently changed that follow routine up. So the more positive reinforcement he kind of gets now, uh, I think that's, I think that is important yeah. psychologically, right? Like when you're trying something new and you don't know, you don't know if it's really going to work, even if you're saying committing to it, obviously it's positive to, to see it working and, and feeling like, you know, you, you, you have justifiable confidence in it. So, um, so that, that was important. And then, yeah, I mean, we mentioned, I mean, the three ball had not really been going for him as much lately. And so for him um, to have now a couple games in a row where he hits, um, you know, two threes and obviously tonight they were, you know, they were big, you know, they were losing in the first half when he knocks down that corner three and they needed, you know, they, they really could have used him to hit that three when he did in the fourth quarter, just to kind of keep Toronto at arm's length. And then obviously for him, just having a struggle, um, getting really quality shots uh, inside. So, um, you know, I thought it was encouraging. We did see him um, again, being able to go to the mid range uh, a little bit. I thought his first couple, he looked a little bit, maybe trigger happy, he settled for one of those baseline jumpers that, you know, again, I, I struggle with uh, him being maybe a little too aggressive with, uh, even if they've been going in with greater regularity. But then uh, his first bucket was one of those, again, sort of, you know, turn in, turn out, and, you know, 14-foot mid-range jumpers that he just has started to look so comfortable on. So, um, you know, we saw another couple of those tonight. Uh, I think, what, two mid-rangers, that layup on Ibaka, and then two threes. Uh, unfortunately, not hard to remember Giannis's field goals tonight. But, um, you know, again, it's – Reminded me a little bit. I think he had what, like 19 points, eight, 18 rebounds, and a couple blocks in, in one of the wins in Toronto in the regular season last year as well. Sort of a similar thing where he just couldn't get anything going um, as far as easy buckets. And, um, you know, again, there will be nights like this. Um, and unfortunately for me, being a uh, Giannis stat monger, I, I, <laughs> he dropped below 30 points per game last night. He was down to 29.9. I'm guessing he's probably at like 29.7 or something like that at this point. Um, so that this may be the, the last that we've seen of 30 point per game Giannis, which just for purely statistical milestones, I thought would have been really awesome to see, but he tends to, he t- his t- scoring tends to trail off as seasons go. So we'll be interested to see where he finishes up. But, um, yeah, if I had to put money on, I'm guessing Giannis probably doesn't end up uh, at that 30 point plateau, but, um, either way, obviously tonight you had other guys doing enough and obviously the defense was tremendous. And, you, you did not need the monster scoring night from Giannis the way you do on many other nights. So I guess before we wrap this up, uh, I think that, you know, as we did the other night when the Bucks beat the Sixers, we mentioned that Ben Simmons obviously only played the four minutes. And tonight, I think it's certainly worth noting that Marcus Ole and, and, you know, Norman Powell, I mean, he's been a buck killer over the years. So both of those guys didn't play too. Uh, you know, guys that are well and truly entrenched in the rotation. And, and maybe at the guard spots, it's more telling for this team. Because that's the interesting thing when you looked at the Raptors or when you look at the Raptors right now compared to last year. Obviously, you had Kawhi in there. Uh, they play that really, really small backcourt with, with Lowry and, and Fred Van Fleet. So, you know, I, I think that they, they clearly miss those guys. And, and having Gasol in there and being able to swap out Ibaka and, and Marcus Gasol, I think makes a difference. Because, you know, one of the things I noticed tonight with Brooke Lopez, who... Yeah, you know, got up more shots than than 
he normally would. Five for 13, two for six from three, though. So he finished, uh, what's that, three for seven from two-point range, got to the foul line a couple of times. And like I sort of pointed to at the start of the podcast, they looked like they were going to him and, and saying, well, okay, well, if Ibaka's not on the floor, then you really don't have anyone that's even close to as big as, as Brook Lopez on the floor. They tried to use that. So I think that that would change. Uh, obviously, in, in a playoff series with Marcus Gasol out there, he had such a big influence on the on the Eastern Conference Finals last year. So, yeah, it's it's just worth noting that they weren't at full strength. But uh, certainly tonight, I mean, we saw a battle between two really, really good defenses, two very, very different uh, defenses, but but two elite defenses in the league. And to to have a Bucks win, where they shoot less than forty percent from the field. Uh, 33% from three. Uh, I think that you've got to take that. And again, it's another nod to the fact that while this, this team can be pretty dynamic offensively, uh, having that ability to just be so elite and, and somehow have got better defensively than they were as the number one team in the league last year, that in itself is going to win you games and maybe win you some playoff games. Because certainly tonight at times, this felt like the intensity of a playoff game. Yeah, it was uh, certainly the crowd too, right? Um, in that I mean, first they're, half, they're and, crazy. <laughs> yeah, when when the Bucks were struggling, and you know it was getting sloppy, right? I think you just you, you obviously just sort of look at it as a. I mean, ultimately, I think it's a good test. Um, and you know, even if this didn't give us kind of like the super dramatic fourth quarter, um, you know, again, you just start thinking about these games in the context of of an overall season. Um, I, I think it's obviously important in a season where you've faced very little adversity in terms of on the court yeah. uh, challenges, you know, the fact that, Oh crap, this team's doing all this stuff. And, you know, you haven't reacted to it, reacted to it very well and you're losing and the crowd's really on you. And this is the place that, you know, you couldn't win in, you couldn't win there to, to save your playoff lives a year ago. Um, I mean, it's, it's character building, right? I think it's a good, shows a good response from the Bucks. Um, and you know, even if the offense never really got cooking, um, the defense again, it's like, I mean, that's what I love about basketball. That's what I love about, you know, the fact that the Bucks have such a, a stout defense. Um, you know, the defense, again, there's going to be nights where teams hit three pointers, um, but it's not like the Bucks effort on defense ever has to go into a slump, right? Like <laughs> as every coach will tell you, uh, you know, that that's a, the side of the ball where, um, again, you control it and uh, you can obviously dictate uh, a lot of your success night to night, just with your effort and your discipline. Uh, and obviously just the talent you have. And right now, obviously the Bucks have a great combination of all those things. And I, I, I don't think I mentioned anything about you know, when you were talking about blood so earlier, but um, you know, he, he won the matchup with Kyle Lowry during the regular season last year as well. Lowry had like a crazy, what did Lowry like, like didn't make a shot, right? For like two yeah, games something, or something like that. Yeah. He, he something had a crazy like game, that, yeah. Right? yeah. Um, and so, I mean, again, the, how much to make of this, right? Like, obviously, that's that's a question. But uh, you know, as we've said, Bledsoe, we will, you know, Bledsoe like the Bucks will not really be able to claim victory or, or redemption um, unless and until you know they win a championship uh, slash play better in the playoffs. Um, but you know, again, like you just as a fan of the team, I mean, these guys are human. I think Blood's been a super likable guy. His teammates obviously care about him. And it's, it was nice to see him, I think, play pretty well. Um, and, and like you said, I thought, especially when Chris and Giannis were looking very passive and didn't seem to know kind of how to attack the Raptors, um, you know, I thought Bledsoe actually 
showed some ability to do that and and actually kind of got got some things going in that first half in particular when no one else kind of really was so um you know again you just kind of like to see him do that especially you know again not that it's in any way inconsistent with what he's done all season but just given the circumstances another kind of nice little uh silver lining of this yeah just one last point because i only just really I'm looking at the box score and just as you were talking and you mentioned a couple of those guys, it, it made me think of this for, for some reason, but 10 guy, a uh, 10 man rotation tonight from Bud. And we always think that, I mean, we know they added some pieces, but we're always like, well, it's, it's the, the core pieces are the same. The majority of the roster is the same. And interestingly enough from the 10 guys that played tonight, four of those guys that played ma- major minutes in Wesley Matthews, Robin Lopez, Dante DiVincenzo and Marvin Williams. Uh, did not play in the conference final. So kind of sneakily, uh, those core rotation guys and the guys that you expected that are going to be playing in the playoffs. And maybe uh, Kyle Corver is another one of those guys. And, and you know, we'll wait to see whether Corver plays ahead of, say, a, a Pat Connaught. And if he does, then then that's half your rotation that wasn't there last uh, postseason. So it, it's just interesting to look at that turnover. But in the end, uh, the Bucks win 108 97 they keep the raptors to below 100 points which is on the road an impressive defensive effort it was uh, a struggle early but they got over the line in the end for win number 50 50 and 8 on the season just ridiculous but they get a couple of days off now before uh, another really fun game the thunder they're they're being one of the surprise teams this season uh, definitely headed for the playoffs and and probably going to give some teams a, a damn tough first round series and and i almost wouldn't rule them out in one of those early round series that they're, they're, they're playing out of their minds at the moment, particularly Chris Paul. So uh, that's going to be fun on Friday night back at Fiso Forum. But Frank, we got through the first couple of difficult games, Sixers and Raptors, the Bucks have stood up after a bit of a challenge. So that's been fun. So we will leave it there for now for Frank and myself, Kane Pittman. We'll speak to you guys next time. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.